You ready for Basecamp Fitness's best deal yet? Seven days for $7. That's right, seven days for $7. It's time to double down on your fitness goals and snag this offer before it's gone. Call or text Basecamp Fitness at 913-232-9770 or go to BasecampFitness.com to learn more. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Live in studio on a rainy Tuesday afternoon. Now we're golden. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, joins us in the second segment right here at 315. I'm not digging this weather. It's rainy. It's gross. It's not fun. But then I sit back and realize the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. You have anything fun planned for Valentine's Day? I'm a single guy, so uh, unfortunately, no. Oh, yeah. You're just going to just throw some roses to everyone on the street? Yeah. Yep. Look at me. you. Do you have any any plans? Come on now. Uh, no. Uh, I know Kansas plays tonight, Kansas basketball, so uh-huh. I'm going to be locked into that. Is that your true love? No, I think uh, my true love wears number 15, and he has a red jersey. I think no, he's, he's taken. The... <sighs> I think he's taken. I'm sorry. Sorry to break it to you, Kyle. I think you're right. Yep. Speaking of Valentine's, don't think James Bradbury is going to be <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster's Valentine. Juju Smith-Schuster came out on Twitter, and he made one of those memeable Valentine's Day cards. And it says, Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And then it's a picture of James Bradbury with the caption, I'll hold you when it matters most. Now, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's it's clever, but it seems like it's in bad taste. It's in bad taste. Yeah, because Bradbury handled it like a consummate professional after the game. Don't be like the Bengals. Yeah, don't be like Eli Apple. I understand Ooh. you're you're feeling confident after the win, and if. James Bradbury would have came out after the game and would have talked a whole bunch of smack and, and been like, no, that wasn't a hold, this, that, and the other. Sure. Talk your talk. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't do that. James Bradbury owned up to like a man. Mm-hmm. About 20 minutes, dude was was just standing and, and, and taking ownership for his mistake. I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's from the top rope. That's a brutal blow. Yeah, and I, you know, now I would love to hear Bradbury's reaction to this. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and blast Judas Smith-Schuster. I'm not going to sit here and blast a dude who just helped win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But the point is, I just don't like the look because the Eagles have been nothing but consummate professionals. Yep. If you want to talk about whining and about the 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 flag, it hasn't been the players. It hasn't been Nick Sirianni. It, there's been a good compilation put out on Twitter of just the Eagles players owning up to the hold and saying it was not one play. It was not one call that decided this game. They're not blaming the refs. Yeah. I don't even think a lot of the Eagles fans are blaming the refs. It seems to be 
Bengals fans, and the national media. It's, yeah, it's fans who don't like the Chiefs. The national media, too, they don't want to own up and say that they got their pick wrong. The folks that were picking the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, they're trying to backtrack and find a way to make themselves look like they weren't wrong. Weren't wrong. They were wrong. Just own up to it. Yeah. But no, the national media is trying to drive this narrative that this was all based on one play, which obviously they, they don't take into account that the Chiefs would have still kicked the field goal and then the Eagles would have still had to drive and do something of their own. Right. But no, that doesn't fit the narrative. And that's why I find so frustrating. That's why I don't want Juju to get sucked into this. The Chiefs have been professional. The Eagles have been professional about it. Don't start something that's not there. Enjoy your Super Bowl, Juju. You've earned it. Don't drag down the the, the losing team who've been fine. Yeah. They've been fine. Don't start something that is not there. You're 100% right. This is an Eli Apple-like move. I, yeah. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, well, Juju's a free agent, technically. And we think he's going to hopefully come back. Yeah. That's the goal. A lot of people would like to we see We would that. like to see him back. Speaking of the championship, though, Super Bowl 57, we know it's here. Chiefs parade. Are you going Wednesday? Undecided. I guess tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Um, boy, I did, I did not go to the last one. How about you? I did not go to the last one. I went to the Royals World Series yeah, parade. So did I. That was hectic, but worth all the frustration of getting there. <laughs> I don't do cold. I don't do cold. Yeah, okay. But it's supposed to be nice tomorrow. What are we looking at? I'm considering it. Tomorrow's like 50. 50 and sunny. Yeah, it's going to be packed down there. It's 46 and and partly cloudy, partly sunny, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that, that sun will help. It's going to be nice. It's the parking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. I'm trying to figure out how to get down there, crush a beer or two, have some fun, stay safe. And watch this thing. It's going to be fun. For all you guys going down there, I, I envy you. It's going to be a blast. Oh, yeah. It's difficult for me because I have to be on air. Yeah. I, I don't have. I it's going to be composed problem. It's going to be tight. Going to be a tight window. I would like to go. Just don't know if I can physically get down there because of work. Because of your professional responsibility. Professional. I'm a, I'm a professional man, Kyle. If there's one thing about me, you know. Consummate pro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could tell by that mustache you're wearing. <laughs> oh, I know. It's sad. I'm about to shave it. It, it was a playoff stash. I figured it, it, it can go once the parade's over. Okay. I like that. It's a playoff stash. I'm trying to figure out how to uh, do a good video with it. Because this thing's thick. Yeah. It's thick. <laughs> it's going to hurt to shave, frankly. Not not looking forward to it. Uh, you know what hurts? Not Jalen, but what hurts the Raiders is Derek Carr. He gone. He would not accept a trade. He had a no-trade clause. He's not giving any draft capital back to the Raiders after the Raiders treated him the way that they did. So just now, the Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr. So his contract was going to kick in. Well... Raiders said no. Raiders are moving on, saying Derek Carr is not our guy. 
Now, I am befuddled because Derek Carr was not the major issue on the Raiders. While he did not have a great season, he's never been an elite quarterback, he's been above average and, frankly, better than the majority of folks want to give him credit for. Derek Carr is now a free agent, and, frankly, he might be the number one quarterback free agent on the market. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks on the market, so I don't know what the Raiders' game plan is right now. They're going to try and say, hey, was it Jarrett Stidham? Was that who it was? Yeah, that's yeah, that's the uh, next guy up. If they're going to say Jarrett Stidham's our guy, they're going to try and trade up in the in the draft and get a quarterback. I, I'm just shocked. Do they think they're going to get Aaron Rodgers and go from one quarterback to an aging quarterback in Aaron Rodgers? I I don't know. Jimmy G ain't going to help him. Yeah, that's not going to make him any better. If you're a Chiefs fan, not only did you just win the Super Bowl. Your division is a mess. Sean Payton, good head coach. He ain't no Bill Belichick. I don't know why folks think he is. Russell Wilson's still there on that long contract. Chargers are the Chargers, talented, but always find a way to choke. Mm-hmm. And the Raiders just got rid of their cornerstone quarterback and Derek Carr, who is not the major issue. I'm not saying he's elite. Not saying he was a huge help, but he was not the hindrance. He kept that franchise from falling to the bottom. He, he was... Their franchise is almost Alex Smith. Yeah. To an extent. I, I would say Derek Carr was the guy that he's not going to necessarily win you a whole bunch of games, but he's going to keep you in a lot of games. Yeah, he brings he, you stability for, he, for a while. He brings you stability. He's a good face of the franchise, cared about the franchise. And what do you do? Kick him out before he gets his money. Yep. I'm not surprised Derek Carr. Said no to the no trade. I'm not getting, I'm not getting traded now. No, screw that. Yeah. Frankly, it makes me respect him more. That's a dude who, who gave his all for that franchise for however many years. Just like that, they turn their backs and he goes, you know what? Fine. Two can play that game. Petty Derek Carr. I like to see it. Derek Carr is a guy I would root for. What he's obviously not playing the Kansas City Chiefs. He doesn't seem like a bad dude. Not at all. No. Seems like a, a good guy. He's not his brother, who biased. A little bit, a little bit. I can respect Derek Carr, and I'll respect him when he goes to a good team. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if he stays in the AFC, because right now the balance of power is all in the AFC. You look in the NFC. Name the top three quarterbacks in the NFC right now. I feel like Jalen Hurts is obviously there. Sure, Jalen Hurts is clear cut number one in my mind. Yep. Kirk Cousins? <laughs> That's my point. Dak? Uh, yeah. If you're having Dak, Kirk Cousins, potentially Matt Stafford when healthy. Forgot about him. You want to throw Kyler Murray? We're talking top three quarterbacks in their division, their yeah. conference. Yeah. It's brutal. Derek Carr goes there. He's probably top three. Yeah. AFC, he's top eight. The balance of power. It's, it's ridiculous when you really break it's it wild. down. It's ridiculous. Again, before we get a break, a lot of credit goes to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. They played a fan, phenomenal game. and it, it was just a great game back and forth. But the Chiefs were too much. The number one ranked defense in the NFL in the Philadelphia Eagles could not stop, could not get off the field in the second half. Josh Briscoe, good friend, he, he broke it down. There was about 230 possible yards to get in the second half. Chiefs got 228 of them. The only two, Jared McKinnon sliding down. 
and then obviously they, they kneeled. The they, 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 they lost some yards. They were perfect. It was a perfect second half from the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to look back on this as a master class from Andy Reid. Maybe the best game, for sure the best half of football he has ever coached. Great time management as well. Steve Spagnuolo defensively. This is why you brought him in. Big games, big situations, in-game adjustments. First half, they were getting cut up. Second half, what happened? They stepped up in a huge way. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Be joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, right after this. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN Kansas City joined now by film analyst Daniel Harms. Daniel, how are you? Uh, you know, it's still, I mean, obviously I'm not a player, but it's still a little shocking that we all wake up and the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions every single day now. It's just uh, one of those things that, you know, it's really cool to, to see a team, the team that we all talk about, that we cover, that we watch every single week, is now a Super Bowl champion to out of the last four years. That's just, that's just awesome. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> Growing up watching Brody Croyle and Tyler Thigpen and Matt Castle. <laughs> and I mean, nothing against those guys, but this is not the same Chiefs team. It's not the same team even with Alex Smith where you go to the playoffs, you hope you win one game. The expectations are higher, <laughs> but they're living up to the expectations. I just can't get over this. I don't know how you, you – you shouldn't ever. You, honestly, you shouldn't. You should all – everyone, all Chiefs fans should live in what's happening right now. Don't get over it. Just, like, live within it. Be excited every single time that Patrick Mahomes steps on the field because every every single season this is the outcome that is, is possible that they strive for. That You know, you've heard him even say it. You know, right after they won the Super Bowl, he's holding the Lombardi Trophy. He said the work's not done. This is this is the mentality. Mahomes is out there to reset everything, to reset the record books. It's going to be difficult to catch Brady, but he's out there every single season to reset record books and to be the best player to ever play. Let's get into the game itself. I want to talk about the offensive line first and foremost, since you and I, we like giving the big dudes their due. The offensive line for Kansas City was just moving people around. Not only that, they kept Mahomes upright the entirety of the game. No sacks allowed. 6.1 yards per carry. It was just a domination from a unit that was talked all week about how they were going to get pushed around by the phenomenal Eagles front. The Eagles pass rush obviously is extremely talented, but I kept saying, we're not giving this Chiefs O-line enough credit, and boy, did they step up. Talk more about the Chiefs' offensive line. Yeah, I, I will I will give the caveat because uh, they're both playing on the same surface, but there was multiple times that we all saw pass rushers just slide and fall off the, off the face of the earth, essentially. I saw a couple times where Wiley is on top of Hassan Reddick because yeah, he, just, he just slipped off. Like That is what it is. But when you collectively look at what they were able to do, the reason that they were kept so off balance and they couldn't just tee off and they didn't find wins all the time is because they came in the run game and they dominated up front. It was it was a clinic. There was multiple times where you just saw, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, who again has matured a lot as a runner throughout the season, but he still does have some some, some vision issues but he was able to see the holes because you know what these lanes were gigantic they, they were giving him when you're able to get 
Creed Humphrey on DJ Gardner Johnson. That's a that's a really really good designed run play, and it was the versatility and the different ways they attacked the Eagles front seven with not just the zone game, which you know the Chiefs have leaned on most of the season. They attacked them with polars. They went power. They went counter. They went they put. You know, Jarek McKinnon has a fullback and had him run counter, fullback counter to the left side, and there's no one there. Though all the different ways they came at them with the motion, and then you know the offensive line stepping up and dominating them in the trenches. Like this offensive line, it was physical. They were getting after it in the in pass protection. It wasn't just sit back and wait. It was attack while you're you know getting in your drop. And I, I know I talked about the slipping, but Andrew Wiley played his best game. At, at, in my opinion, as a chief ever in the biggest game of his his career, I just what they did, Orlando Brown just being able to, you know, earn a bit bit more of the money back that he's been trying to earn. We'll see what happens there in the off season. But the interior three were stellar. Trey Smith, just go back and watch the the offense and watch Trey Smith. The very first play of the game, he's engaged with Fletcher Cox, and at the end of it. He shoves him back, and the guy's helmet pops off. He was there to make a difference. All of them made a huge difference in this football game, from pass protection to run blocking. Really helped set the tone, not just for the beginning of the game where they, you know, they took the, the best of the Eagles on the chin, but then they came back out in the second half and said, "All right, we know you guys are the young one, the younger team, the the up and coming team. We've been here before. We're here to establish it." And they just took it the rest of the game. It was so great to see. It. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, joining us right here. What was so impressive to me was the performance of Nick Bolton. Obviously one touchdown, but he could have had a second one if that was not called back. I think it was probably the right call, although it was very, very bang, bang. No one knows what a catch is in the NFL. Looked like he had two steps and a move, but also when you watch it live, you're like, did he have it long enough? It was very, very difficult, but Nick Bolton was phenomenal all game long. I said going into it, not the defensive line, not the corners, but the linebackers and specifically Nick Bolton needed to step up because of the RPO. The Eagles RPO you to death. Jalen Hurts with his legs make it makes him in this offense so dynamic. But Nick Bolton was so quick to recognize and diagnose the play at hand. How great did Nick Bolton play? Yeah, Nick Bolton just I mean we're really not even just Bolton, all of the linebackers. Every single linebacker in that game, they played probably their best games of their NFL careers. I will, I will venture to say that. And they were being put in positions to do what they do best. You know, you, you, know, you didn't notice Nick Bolton being essentially a coverage linebacker any, any of these times. He was eyes on Jalen Hurts on these third downs. The reason that he fumbled the football on that third down is because Jalen Hurts didn't expect Nick Bolton to be there. Okay, And, and you have a little bit of confusion with Lane Johnson, whether he was going to take – Nick Bolton or George Karloftis for a second he flashes at Bolton and then takes on Karloftis. I don't know if he knew that Bolton that uh, Hertz was going to run the football, but by the judging of the play itself, Hertz never even looked to throw that football. It was just catch it and then go. And then Bolton's like, okay, I see what you're going to do. But you, we talked about this before the before the game that the linebackers had to come down in the run game and be a physical force, and the defense tackles had to take on these blocks to keep them clean. There were so many times where you saw gigantic lanes to allow Leo Chanel, to allow Willie Gay, to allow Nick Bolton to come down in the run support first 
And that's what established, you know, we, we said put the game on Jalen Hurts' shoulders. That's what you're going to want to have to do. And Jalen Hurts played the best game of his career. He was incredible. I mean, I, I give him a ton of props. But at the end of the day, what they were able to do in the run game is what really impressed me. And Nick Bolton's play recognition, getting downhill, being a force with the quarterback run, and always being around the football and not having to do too much in the passing game. There's a couple plays where he's just, you know, in his zone. He sees the ball being thrown, and then he attacks downhill. That's what he's best at. And Steve Spagnuolo, again, we, we, there was so much talk about Steve Spagnuolo coming. The first probably two months of the season. This has been his, his, best, his best work, his best work in Kansas City. And this defense has been great. A lot of it has to do with the, the leadership that Nick Bolton brings, what he and Willie Gay do back there, that, that incredibly young, talented one-two punch at linebacker. Just, it's going to be a lot of fun to see them continue to grow because Willie Gay still isn't, isn't even at the peak of what it can be in terms of an all-around linebacker and Nick Bolton with him. It's going to be so much fun. And, and Nick, again, just impacting the game so many times that I personally don't think there was enough evidence to overturn what you call a catch and fumble, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to say that you can not just say you're going to confirm that Dallas Goddard caught a football where he's bobbling in between his hands. Yeah. Um, you're going to confirm that and then you overturn something that's bang, bang. Uh, that he catches, I don't know, that, that's whatever, neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, Nick Bolton. Well, just it's something there. It, it took the Super Bowl MVP away from Nick Bolton. You score two touchdowns as a defensive player. I'll, yeah, t- yeah, I'll yeah, tell you sure. what, you're, you're getting Super Bowl MVP. I will say that. Yeah, he should have been. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. I, it's unfortunate that it happened, but uh, he he did have it kind of stripped away from him. Yeah, yeah, but, but again – Steve Spagnuolo in the defense, I think the 35 points, you see it and you say, well, they must have played horrible. The, the defense really buckled down late in the game when they needed stops, when the Chiefs needed to, to have something turn it around. It was the Chiefs' defense that really were the, the unit that helped turn it around. Obviously, the Nick Bolton, the fumble 4-6 in the first half. But they started to get some third-down stops as the game went on. Early in the game, they couldn't stop them at all on third down and fourth down. Those third and ones, fourth and ones, third and two, fourth and two. The Eagles' rugby scrum was unstoppable. Hell, even Chris Jones tried to go over the top like he was Priest Holmes to stop Jalen Hurts. Couldn't get it done. But as the game wore on, they finally found a way to stop them on those crucial downs. I think that says a lot about Steve Spagnuolo and his defense learning as it, as it went on. Yeah, they got some favorable calls. And not, not so much calls, but like from the offense as well. In the, the first half of the game where they stopped them to force a field goal at the end of the first half, they ran crossers and they're, they're trying to get miscommunication between the linebackers and the secondary to get Kenny Gainwell open for a big you know, crossing. He's, he's in motion from right to left. They want to get him on this crosser over the drag over the middle the short part of the left side of the field where there's nobody and they're hoping to get some miscommunication in the middle of the field and they do the exact same thing on their first possession on third down in the second half they do the exact same play and Nick Bolton's like okay I'm ready for this like I see he's in, he's in motion you guys are doing the same thing and he comes across and they force another field goal which in my opinion was the turning point because we know down 10 points if you allow you know the Chiefs come out in the second half 
they get a touchdown. If you allow the Eagles to get a touchdown after that, it's going to be hard to continuously do that over and over again. But you force a field goal, then you allow the Chiefs to go down, you know, score a touchdown, take that one-point lead. In my opinion, that third down stop from Nick Bolton and the Chiefs to force a field goal was the entire turning point in the football game. But where they were able to be successful, 11 points or yeah, 11 points in the second half, as opposed to 24 in the first half, that's a lot to do with the Chiefs taking advantage of the defense of the Eagles and limiting as how many times that the Eagles were on the field. We saw that on the opposite end in the first half, where the Chiefs weren't on the field as much in the first half, and then they just completely reversed it. You get a you know you get a three and out to go along with it with some great individual efforts, which I'm going to break down on my film room that will be released tomorrow. And everything, you know, it starts in the first half with the the defensive tackles and the defensive ends and everyone up front taking out blocks. That physicality continued all the way through and into the second half. We talk a lot about how when you're watching like the Tennessee Titans or even the Eagles for a lot of this, um, the season where the, the run game just wears and wears on teams into the fourth quarter. They're just gashing you. The Chiefs' defensive physicality wore on the offensive line of the Eagles, and they were able to get pressure. And they didn't get sacks a ton. They got a few outside, behind line of scrimmage runouts from, I believe, Leo Chanel and Colin Saunders. But they wore down the Eagles up front um, for the most part of the second half outside the, the touchdown where he had Jalen Hurts was just incredible and you have a miscommunication down the field. But it, it was really nice to see not just Steve Spagnuolo, but that entire two weeks of emphasizing the physicality and the triggering downhill of these linebackers because they were the underdogs. They were the underdog in this game. The offensive line that the Eagles were supposed to be, oh, you know, too much to take on for the Chiefs defensive line and, and vice versa for their, their defensive line for the Chiefs offensive line. So they really took this to heart and establish themselves in the trenches all game long. Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football, joining us right here. As far as Andy Reid and his legacy is concerned, getting that second championship is obviously massive for him. The wins are there, being known as the offensive genius that he is. That helps. But where do you list him as far as the the, the pantheon of head coaches? Is he is he knocking on the door of top five? Is he already there? What What does this mean for Andy Reid and his legacy? Uh, there are two head coaches in the NFL history that I think you can argue are better than Andy Reid, Don Shula and Bill Belichick. That's it. I think he's a top three coach of all time. And we've heard a little bit of a, you know, a talk with Brett Veach. I think he was, he was on the Pat McAfee show or something. He did an interview where retirement's never come up in conversations with Andy Reid. So uh, I think Andy Reid even addressed it after the, 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 um, the game that he was talking to, you know, Jake Glazer, just kind of like, get off my back about the question. I just said something to shut him up, that kind of thing. Andy Reid's not retiring anytime soon. So we're talking about his, his legacy right now, what it is after his second one going to four Super Bowls. You get two as, as a head coach. You're going to be a tied to Patrick Mahomes as long as you want to. Um, he very well could go down as least, like, you know, probably number two. It'll be tough to catch Bill if he wants to get, you know, if he wants to stay in Kansas City for as long as he possibly can, as long as he's having fun. He could go down as the greatest. Like I said, it's going to be tough. But I personally think he's the top three when you Man. look at the resume, when you look at everyone else. You, you think over Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs. Oh, man. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think you can make an argument. Tom right Landry. I, I personally do. Yeah. All right. I think it's just Don Shula. That's impressive, and man. And Bill Belichick. Yeah? 
I don't know if I'm quite, what, 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 quite here. That I, impressive. I will have to do more research into that, but I think he's definitely knocking on the door of top five. If he's not already, I would say top five. Um, would, that, this would be a fun one. The Mount Rushmore of head coaches. That's what we need to do sometime, Daniel. You and me, the yeah. Mount Rushmore yeah. of head coaches. Uh, as far as the Chiefs' legacy, we talked about Andy Reid, but now the legacy of, of the Chiefs. What constitutes a dynasty? Are they in one now? Is this considered a mini dynasty? Do they need to win a third one for that to really hold true? Obviously, at five straight AFC Championship games, you know, three Super Bowls, two wins. Where do you land here? So the Chiefs were establishing a mini dynasty when they won the Super Bowl and then went back to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. That's when you get to the hilltop, you win one and then you go right back. That's your establishing of a mini one. Now, when you, you have five years of sustained sustained AFC Championship games that you've hosted. You've won three of them, and now you have two Super Bowls. This is a clear and conclusive dynasty, mm-hmm. what the Chiefs have done. And when you consider that this was a retooling year and they very well could be better next year, that's, that's what we're, we're looking at right now. The Chiefs told everybody, in my opinion, by trading away Tyreek Hill, and then taking on the full cap hit from Patrick Mahomes this year, not restructuring it, that, okay, we have a, a draft that we're going to just take a ton of defensive rookies. They're going to play a lot. We're going to figure it out as we go. You know, we might not get to the Super Bowl this year, but guess what? These rookies are going to be really good the year after, and we're going to load up then. Here they are. They won the Super Bowl um, with 154 games played by rookies this year, the third most in NFL history. That kind of stuff doesn't happen. It doesn't, doesn't usually happen to teams like this who, in my opinion, came out and said to everybody, we're kind of retooling. We have to figure out a different way. Um, Patrick took a next step. He was on a bum ankle. It felt, that game, it felt like he threw for 300 yards and they ran for 150 when he only threw for 182 and they only ran. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco had 74 yards. That's what it, it felt like they were just suffocating in that game and they could be better next year. This this is a dynasty, guys. This is what it is. Like they expect greatness, and I know that there's a lot of talk. You know, now Sean Payton's in Denver. What's he going to do with Russell Wilson? Why do Why you do know? people think? I'm not saying you you specifically, but why no, do people act like like Sean Payton is Bill Belichick or this top five head coach all the time? I don't I don't get it. Sean Payton is a is a good head coach. He's a good head coach, but he had Drew Brees there too. It's not like he was out there with nothing in the kitchen. He had something to oh, cook yeah, with. Like, I, mean, I think that they're talking about how Drew Brees was at the end of his career. Like, Drew Brees, if we're being very honest, was extremely tough mentally, but physically he couldn't do anything anymore. He couldn't, sure. run, he couldn't really throw the ball. But the team was good. And stuff. The offensive line yeah, was yeah, incredible. Yeah. They had a great defense, too. Oh, yeah, they, I, they were great. They had they're weapons. Gonna... Like, I just don't understand how people are, are out here saying, yeah, well, Sean Payton's going to turn this. I'm not, again, not saying you. But you're seeing how people are acting like Sean Payton is going to be the difference maker for the Broncos. And I'm sitting here going, that's great and all, but you gave away more draft capital. You're still stuck with Russell Wilson. You have so many holes in this team now. I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it at all. What's I know Sterling, they can get out of the contract next year if Russell Wilson's bad, and they can just take another one two years from now. I mean, come on now. Come on. Uh... <laughs> come on. And this is what's crazy about what the Chiefs have done. The Chiefs right now are Super Bowl champions. 
you mentioned it. This was a retooling year for them. They've already, I've liked to say, I would like to say going into this year, they bit the bullet. They had a trade Tyree Kill so they could yeah. rebuild the roster. Tyron Matthew, your vocal leader defensively, they moved on from. They got younger. Even during the season, they said Rashad Fenton, you're a useful player. You're, you're a veteran here at this point. You're, you're gone. We'll ship you away for, a, was it a seventh rounder, I think, at the time? Yeah. And, and now you're sitting here going, well, the Bills eventually going to have to go up to this because Josh Allen's going to get his money. I think that kicks in next year. Joe Burrow has one more year, right? One more year before his contract and then will we'll kick in. Jalen Hurts only has one more year before his contract kicks in because he was a second-round draft pick. I mean, the Bengals are going to have to make some tough decisions. And the Chiefs not only just won the Super Bowl, but they're set up as the best in the AFC, if not the NFL, for the future. It's incredible. That's what happens, man. I think they've, they've, we've kind of heard rumblings about as soon as Patrick came into training camp, his very first year, they all knew the talent and the special player that he was. They have been working on figuring this out since he was a rookie. We saw the plan go into place last year. Like, they wanted to pay Tyreek Hill. They offered him $22, $23 million a year, and he said no. I think that most people forget that. Like that's This wasn't a, okay, we're going to go into this offseason and we're going to consciously re- retool because we, we have to. No, they, they attempted to sign Tyreek Hill to keep him in Kansas City. This was kind of on the fly. <laughs> that's that's the, the biggest shocker to me is because you know, they altered their entire plan going into this year after Tyreek Hill said, no, I want to trade. I want to be you know paid like $25-plus million a year, which you know you have every right to do so, Tyreek. He's the most dangerous player in the NFL. Um, so I got no issues with that. But then they went into the draft with a whole new plan, new draft picks, and then we, we hear they said, no to the Jets and the 10th overall pick because they wanted to fill out the roster. That's how you know that this office, this front office, this entire organization is built to last. They're not just, okay, they, they, they see the, the 10th overall pick. Yeah, we can get maybe a blue chip prospect possibly if we hit this guy in the 10th. No, they're like, okay, Miami has more draft capital. We'll take one of the lower first round picks and then we'll fill out the rest of the draft this year, and we'll get some more capital for next year so that we can continue to roll this young core of players over. They'll be cheaper. They'll come in. We'll we'll draft them to fill exact spots of need, not necessarily taking an athlete and making it work. They saw Josh Josh Williams. They saw Jalen Watson, all guys that fit what they want at corner, and they said, we're going to take these guys. They're going to be young. They'll be – long, they'll be fast, they'll be athletic-ish sometimes. You, you see that on the field. But they're going to fill what we want at corner. And then they obviously have Trent McDuffie, a guy that they didn't expect to be there. And they said, okay, here is our, our prospect that we really, really want to go get. And they had the draft capital to do it. The the way that they are, are going about this whole, you know, quote-unquote retooling is building for the future through all the opportunities and understanding of what they have in front of them because Patrick makes everything possible. So, uh, it's it's truly impressive and incredible to see what they've been able to do. Daniel Harms, film analyst, joining us right here, Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. I'm sure you saw Juju's uh, tweet about James Bradbury, correct? <laughs> I killed it. 
It killed me. So, so I'm not a big fan of it. Again, I, I'll run through it very quickly. Juju Smith-Schuster had a tweet where he put a picture of James Bradbury basically on a Valentine's Day card, and it says, I'll hold you when it matters most. Funny, clever, I get it. But, uh, but, but James Bradbury never talked smack. He owned up to it like a man. He didn't complain. He owned up to it. I was not a huge fan of this. Um, but then A.J. Brown just uh, recently, while we've been on this call, Daniel, so I wanted to bring this up. Wide receiver for the Eagles, A.J. Brown, says, First off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You were on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was. But congratulations again, end quote. What, what do you make of Juju Smith-Schuster doing that in the picture of James Bradbury and then also the clap back from A.J. Brown? So I don't, I don't think that he made that. I think that was probably one of – this is Valentine's Day. They always do these uh, – whether, whether, whether it's NFL memes that they have, the, you know, the Twitter page, whoever does these, they go around Twitter. I'm pretty sure he probably saw it and then retweeted it. I don't think he made it himself um, because that seems like a lot of time to waste on something like that. He probably saw it and retweeted it. Um, so a couple things. I got no – Issues with guys going back at it on Twitter. I mean, it's your own life. Now you're in the off season. You do what you want. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that he was on his way out of the league. It's just <laughs> you know, dealt with injuries and you know before he got hurt and was dealing with Matt Canada and Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career. You know, he was doing lots of really good things in the NFL at a young age. And, and I don't, like I said, I don't think he was on his way out. But that's not up for debate right now because he's clearly here. He did pretty well this system. He had more injuries dealt with this year. Um, but it, it just it resonates a little salty, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he tried to kind of negate that with the congratulations, but that felt more of a, I have to do this so people don't think I'm just being salty kind of thing. But again, this is emotional time for everybody in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, you get to the mountaintop and, and you're you lose by three points to the Chiefs. It's and there's a lot of a lot of stale feelings. There's a lot of unfortunate things that surround that. You know, we've all seen that a couple of years ago where the Chiefs got destroyed in the Super Bowl, and Patrick was running for his life behind three off backup offensive linemen, four backup offensive linemen, something like that. So it's not easy to deal with emotionally. But again, Twitter is Twitter. Everyone can do what they want to. Juju can tweet a, a Valentine of James Bradbury, and I respect what Bradbury came out and said after the after the game. What Nick Sirianni talked about, how they have all accepted. You know, it was a hold. Can't do it there. Just move on. There's lots of other things that happened in the football game that contributed to what happened. So, again, Twitter is Twitter. Um, AJ Brown <laughs> is a phenomenal player, uh, and. If they want to have a, a little back and forth because you know of a, a tweet that maybe was a little insensitive at the time, it is what it is. Sure. I'm with you. Uh, all right. Talking about Derek Carr staying in the AFC West, uh, he might not be staying in the AFC West as the Raiders released him today. Uh, he refused to waive his no-trade clause. I don't blame Derek Carr. But this is this is right before the forty million dollars of his contract would have become guaranteed. 
What do you make of Derek Carr and the saga that's unfolding between the Raiders and him? I mean, to be fair, as an organization, do you want to take on all that money for someone that you want to move on from too? Hey, maybe don't I, offer I get it. it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I get it, but it, that, that's the thing, though. When you're you're, you're doing all this, the, the, organization, the organization thought that this was going to be Derek Carr and John Gruden at the time, remember? Yeah. Then everything comes out about John Gruden, and he's gone. Things change really, really fast in the NFL. So with that comes, all right, well, now we have a new head coach. We have a new offense. We, we trade for, you know, Devontae Adams. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know, maybe the new head coach doesn't like Derek Carr very much. I don't know. Maybe Jared Stidham, who had a, you know, one game against the 49ers where he looked like he operated the offense the way he wanted him to, uh, that would be Daniels, McDaniels. Um, maybe that brought to light some, some things that, that the coaching staff wanted. And it's not necessarily Derek Carr's fault, but again, I would do the exact same thing that he's doing. No, I'm not going to let you get anything for me. I want to go and be somewhere where I'm appreciated. And, and I totally, I guess I totally understand that. So it's, it's a business. Neither side should feel slighted by what's going on in terms of Derek Carr saying no. You don't get to trade me. You don't get anything back because you don't want to pay me the money that you know you said you would. And the the team is like, okay, fine. Well, we're not going to pay you, so we're going to try and get you out of here. So, I mean, I I personally like Derek Carr as a player. I I think he's kind of um, going to be a, an issue on the free agent market because you know then he's going to get paid. I don't know where he's going to go. Whether he's going to go to New Orleans, I know that he's got a meeting set up with the the Saints after he gets released, if he hasn't already been. I think he has been at this point. I would imagine he's going to go visit the Jets. Depending on where Aaron Rodgers goes, he might go visit the Packers. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of things that uh, that are going on right now with the quarterback free agent market. But I, I'm, I'm hope, I hope that Derek Carr finds success because, like I said, I think he's a good quarterback that gets deemed as a bad one um, in, because he didn't have the best moments against the best teams they've played against. But neither here nor there didn't always have the best defense or offensive line in Oakland and then Las Vegas. So, again, I, I hope he, he, he does well. But at the end of the day, he's going to get paid a lot. He's going to be a big domino to fall in this free agent market. Daniel Harms, film analyst, RGR football, joining us right here. How nervous were you watching the Super Bowl? Were you just pins and needles? Were you cool, calm, collected? Because I know myself, I, I was pretty calm. Almost the entire game. Uh, when the Chiefs got down, I, w- I was irritated to an extent, but I-, I kept the faith. I go, down 10, the Chiefs have come back from much bigger deficits than this. I'm not going to say I-, I was uh, you know, thrilled by the performance, but I, I wasn't extremely nervous. Because w- if they wouldn't have scored after halftime that first drive, then yes, I would have been very nervous. But I go, I'm going to wait, give them the benefit of the doubt, because if any team deserves it, it's this team. When you have Mahomes back there, it's wild. You're down 10, double digits, and you're sitting here going, you know what? It's going to be okay. Did you have the same feeling, or were you pins and needles? Well, so a little peek behind the curtain here, because my wife's currently TDY in Las Vegas for three, for four months, around the last two months of those at the end of this month. So we were on the phone talking while the game was on, so we could kind of watch it together in a, in a way. But she was watching on cable in Vegas, which is – closer to Arizona than I am in Missouri. And I was streaming from Hulu. So she's like 30 seconds ahead of me, right? Okay. 
So you try and watch a game when you can every once in a while know when something good or something bad is going to happen. That doesn't allow me to really live in the moment all the time. <laughs> so you know, it, it was it you know it was nice to know if something really good happened. That way, I wouldn't always just be like on pins and needles waiting for that good thing Dog, to happen. Dog, I would have hung up. I'd have said no chance. <laughs> I know it's almost you know, Valentine's you Day, do. but uh, you're I'll, it's almost Valentine's Day. I'll call you then. That's what I would have done, Daniel. We did it for every single playoff game, so you know, good I'm, luck. I'm not one to. To, to stop doing it, but no. I, I, honestly, I'll, I'll be very honest. When when Mahomes got hurt, I didn't know. I, I was like, okay, I need to see him back on the field in the second half. I can't. I can't feel about this until I know for certain. Granted, I figured he would come back because that's just the person that he is. Um, I know that he said he didn't get anything at halftime. I'm not so sure <laughs> because the dude was moving around way better <laughs> in the second half than he did. Um, after he got hurt, but maybe it was just pain. I don't know. I, I've never had a high ankle sprain. Um, I don't know how it, it feels when it's <laughs> aggravated. I don't know how it feels when there's a 250-pound man trying to, you know, bring me down on it. I got no idea. So now I needed to see how he was going to come back, how he was going to move. As soon when, when I say when I say this, understand, I mean it. As soon as they came out and they ran the football three times in a row, I was like, yeah, they're going to win this football game (laughs) because they figured out what they had to do. And that offense in the second half is everything we've always talked about. If they can find a run game, just a consistent run game that's effective, guess what? Everything opens up. Patrick had something like a 3.7 yards per attempt in the second half. And, again, it felt like they threw for 300 yards in this football game. And he didn't. So uh, I just – it was nerve-wracking sitting through that first half when they went down. But, again, when do you ever feel out of it as a Chiefs fan when Patrick Mahomes is under center? Yeah. I don't know if you can ever really feel that way anymore. Yeah, only one missed – or only one incompletion the second half from Patrick, and that was the uh, ball thrown out of the back of the end zone. Uh, before I let you go, and I'm assuming that's Avery in the background. Hello, Avery. I hope you're, hope you're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, it's Daniel's kid who is just, she's an absolute sweetheart. Uh, are you going to the parade? Are you and Avery going to go and make it down to Kansas City for the parade? You know, I, dra- I dragged her to Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Uh, that's one thing. This is a whole new experience for her. Um, I don't think this year I'll do it. Um, they do it next year. Um, I'll probably will. She'll oh, be wow. a little bit older the, and, you, and that, able to that's deal just, with that. Yeah. Look at like, the confidence on Daniel. Yeah, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl next year, I'll go down. Imagine telling us that 10 years ago. We'd call you right? greedy. We'd call you a Patriots fan. Oh, Daniel. Yeah. Smug I, confidence, right? That That is some <laughs> smug confidence from Daniel. Avery, I'm sorry. I think you should go down. I, I think you deserve it. Let her know that, okay? She's got school, though, so unfortunately... You know, at four years old, I'm not ready to just, like, take her out of school just yet. <laughs> Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR Football and Fantasy Football Astronauts. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. He does phenomenal breakdowns, bite-sized clips that you will see, enjoy, and learn to love. Uh, Daniel, I found him on Twitter. Uh, that's originally how I got connected with him, and now we're, we're, we're good friends. We get Jack stacked together. That's how you know. We're good friends. Exactly. Uh, Daniel, always fun, man. Congratulations. It's been enjoyable breaking down the Chiefs all season long with you. We'll do it all this offseason as well. Until next time, take it easy, man. 
I always look forward to our talks, man. I can't wait to continue this for however long we do in the future. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. Come back home stretch here, ESPN Ken. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Thank you again to film analyst Daniel Harms. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at inharmsway19. He is outstanding on Twitter. Um, let me ask you this, Kyle. Is Jalen Hurts a top five quarterback in the NFL now for you? Yeah, I'm thinking about my top five right now. Mahomes won. Burrow slash Allen, too. Yeah. I, I like Justin Herbert, but I understand he's got to do something. He's got to win something first. Um, yeah, I think you do put Jalen Hurts up there. I, I think he's four now for me. Yeah, that Personally, high? Okay. I, I have Mahomes first by a wide margin now. Right. Anyone who says Burrow, Allen, anyone else, you're, you're lying to yourself. You are. It's Mahomes. It's a gap. I think Burrow and Allen, I think astute observation. That's what I said earlier on today on a podcast I do with Matt Verderam. I said, that's 2-3. Yeah. I don't care how you do it. I, I, like, I lean Josh Allen for the arm strength, the scrambling ability and the size. Right. Uh, but I understand if you're going to go Joe Burrow. He, he's, again, like I've said before, he's Drew Brees. What does he excel at? I don't know. It's, it's the accuracy. It's, it's the way he drops the ball in there. It's, it's the way he gives his receivers a chance to make a play, and, and he knows where to throw it. Yep, football IQ. But those guys are 2-3. Fours hurts. Herbert has not done enough with so much talent around him that, that the potential is there for Herbert still. But I'm not putting potential above a dude who was almost MVP until he got hurt yeah. and then put on this performance in the Super Bowl. Hurts has to be four. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's probably six. And then I'd go Trevor Lawrence, seven. Ooh, I forgot about T-Law. Yeah. yeah. But I will say this. Of all the quarterbacks I just named, only one is in the NFC. AFC, you're in good hands. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is about to be a battle for a long time. I love to see it. And it's fun to see Mahomes still being on top. This was the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City, back live in the studio tomorrow, 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out.